0: Welcome to Sunday School for Heathens.
1: The show where we learn about Christianity and how weird it sounds to everyone else. I'm Shannon. And I'm Brian. I am not a priest and I do not have a degree in theology. I'm just the kind of guy who was cleaning my room and remembered. Oh, that's right. I do own a creepy nun doll.
0: Oh, wow. I am always baffled by how much nun paraphernalia you own, Brian.
1: Okay, that's going to make it sound weird. I don't...
0: Not in a creepy way. Okay, I am always astounded by how much nun-themed stuff you have.
1: I just stopped mid-sentence because I looked up at my calendar that's behind Shannon, and there's a cow and a nun on it.
0: (laughs) Which is really just the perfect distillation of Brian. (laughs) Um,
1: Guys, I don't own a lot of nun things. I think the only nun things I own are that doll and that calendar.
0: And the board game.
1: And the board game.
0: (laughs) Okay, three nun things is plenty of nun things.
1: But it's not like, like, don't give anyone the impression that I have, like, a ton of weird nun things lying around.
0: Alright, friends on the podcast, I promise you that if you were to step into Brian's apartment, you would not see any visible nun paraphernalia.
1: Yeah, you only see anything nun if you walk into my office and look at my calendar and it's a tasteful painting with a little church and some cows and a nun.
0: Yeah. It's just because it's perfect, Brian, doesn't mean that it's a creepy thing.
1: And the calendar is way more about cows than it is about nuns. Is that
0: your cows, cows, cows calendar? It is. <laughs> if anyone doesn't follow Brian on Twitter, you really have to do it, if only for the tweet about cows, cows, cows. I would to reply to you on Twitter more, but I keep forgetting what account I'm logged into. <laughs>
1: I noticed that one time. You accidentally liked me as the show account.
0: It's true. Sometimes Sunday School for Heathens is me, and sometimes it's Brian. It's up to you guys to uh, decide which is which.
1: Uh, You can tell.
0: Probably. All right, Brian. But anyway. (laughs) I have some exciting news to tell you. Yeah? Uh, We got new analytics on our podcast this week, and it turns out that we have five, I think, or maybe eight listeners in Germany.
1: Oh, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, and also I think in El Salvador are the two countries that I was surprised that we have listeners in. So uh, listeners from Germany and El Salvador, one, thanks for listening, and two, write us an email, tell us about yourselves, we want to be your friends.
1: Yeah, I'm so curious, I want to know who (laughs) you all are.
0: Yeah, I want to know more about you, be our friends, follow us on Twitter, tweet at us, do all the things, because the Americans and the Canadians and the people from the UK all track. Yeah. But all the rest of them were surprises.
1: Yeah, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, so thanks, everybody. What are we talking about this week, Brian?
1: All right, this week we're talking about the letter to the Hebrews. This was suggested by your Aunt Nancy.
0: Oh, great! Hey, Aunt Nancy, what a lovely secondary shout-out. She did send us some really good episode
1: suggestions. Yeah, a lot of them, especially the ones that were more related to the Eastern Church are bigger topics. I'm going to try to get to them. Some of them are, will be hard to do in a half an hour. That's right. <laughs> but also, fun note about Shannon's aunt, she uh, goes to a church that is named after my confirmation saint, Catherine of Alexandria. Which so is... that's neat.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cool. We've had some cool people email us recently. Nothing as exciting as the rhyming Nicene Creed, but my Aunt Nancy sent in some stuff. We heard from Father Paul in Skokie... We're getting some some good emails. Yeah. But I have never heard about this letter to the Hebrews. So what can you tell me about this? Okay, so we're going to get
1: into some of the things that make it unique among the letters. Because there's a lot of letters that are in the New Testament. Most of them written by Paul. A couple written by other people. But Hebrews is kind of a weird thing.
0: Okay, so the we're- letter to the Hebrews is a... Part of the New Testament. Correct. It's in the Bible.
1: Yes. All right. So I'm going to start off with just what it says. So this is a long letter. It's 13 chapters. I'm glossing over so much. People have written their thesis on just parts of this letter. Oh, boy. So...
0: 13 chapters is long for a letter.
1: Biblical chapters are kind of short, but still, this is a long one. Okay. Okay, so... As quickly as I possibly can. Great. uh, We start off with no greeting in this letter. A lot of the others have greetings. We just jump straight into text. This uh, starts with, In the past God spoke to us through the prophets. Now, in the last days, he speaks to us through his son. Is basically the opening lines. Jesus. Yes.
0: Now we got Jesus.
1: Right. And then it goes on to explain why Jesus is greater than the angels. And it's important because angels were sometimes mediators of the old Jewish covenants. And because we have the literal son of God working on this covenant, this covenant's way better than those old covenants, is kind of what the letter is saying.
0: So is this the New Testament talking shade on the Old Testament?
1: Kind of. some Somewhat it is. In other ways, it's more just to, like, try to convince Christians to keep on keeping on.
0: Okay, it's a pep talk.
1: Yeah, it totally is.
0: Alright, so now that we know... That Jesus is more important than angels. What's next?
1: So for a little while, he was lower than the angels. And he was fully human, like us.
0: Was that when he was a baby?
1: That was the whole time he was a human.
0: Oh, right. Because he was a human and then he died and then he came back and then he was more than human.
1: Right. And also, before he was a human, he was better than a human.
0: Wow. Circles. Because
1: because he has always existed and will always exist. And we'll get into that a little bit later in the letter. Oh, boy. While he was... A human, He was also still crowned with glory, so when he died, he died for all of us, and because of his shared flesh and blood with us, he was able to raise us up with him. So, important that he was greater than the angels and also equal to us.
0: Great. He's got it all.
1: Yeah. Very important theological teachings. Then Jesus is compared to Moses. Uh, Moses is a servant in the house of God, but Jesus is in charge of that house, so Jesus is like Moses, but better. Interesting. (laughs) This whole letter is a lot of, Jesus is like this, but better.
0: Wow, this letter really likes Jesus.
1: I mean, yeah. Also, I realize we don't talk about Jesus a lot on this podcast, so this is going to be a really heavy Jesus section of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we've talked about Party Boy Jesus-
0: And we've talked about proletariat Jesus, but we have not talked about smiley, happy New Testament Jesus much.
1: Yeah, and this is a little less directly Jesus because it's other people writing letters about him rather than, like, telling his story.
0: But it's a lot of people who really like Jesus.
1: Oh, yeah. The author of this really likes Jesus. Okay. So, Jesus was better than Moses. When the people screwed up Moses' covenant, they had to wander the desert for 40 years. So just imagine how much worse it will be for you if you screw up this one. Ooh, (laughs) that's tough. But then the writer says, so far it seems like you're all doing all right. Just remember to keep the Sabbath rest because, you know, bad things will happen if you don't. Uh, Then we move on to talking about Jesus as a high priest. So priests were chosen from among the people. Uh, This was a good thing because they were able to understand human fault and weakness. And they were able to have compassion because they too were human. Because of this, when Jesus became human, it made him a better high priest, for the same reasons.
0: So, being a human is one of the things that makes you a good priest, so when Jesus was human, he was also a good priest.
1: Yeah, because he was. it was able to make him compassionate and understanding of the human experience.
0: This implies that there was a point at which there were priests that were not human.
1: Well, Jesus has always existed, and Jesus has always been a high priest.
0: Yeah, but like... This makes it sound unlike at some point the angels were priests or like somebody else was a priest before there were human priests and that we learned that human priests are better.
1: Well, human priests are not better. It's just a nice thing to have compassion and understanding of fault.
0: Well, yes, but so, we're talking specifically about human priests.
1: So remember when I talked about more perfect and you got mad about it?
0: Is this me getting mad about more perfect again?
1: So Jesus is a perfect priest, but being human made him more perfect. Oh, great. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is the best I can explain this to you. Moving on. (laughs) So the writer next goes into explaining or complaining that the audience should be teachers of theology by now, but they aren't getting it, so they need to go back to basics. They need milk, not solid food, because solid food is only for mature people who can discern good and evil.
0: What? (laughs) You don't get solid food until you can tell the difference between good and evil?
1: It's a metaphor. It's a terrible way to raise a baby, is what it is. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to give a baby solid food.
0: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure babies know how to eat solid food before they understand the difference between good and evil, because you eat solids before you can talk. (laughs)
1: Okay, so maybe it's not an exact metaphor, but it you get what it's saying.
0: I get what it's saying, <laughs> and it's really condescending, and also a bad advice for raising children. That's all I've got.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe it was better advice for raising children in the first century.
0: Um, how well did children survive in the first century?
1: Not well. Maybe because they were getting solid food too early.
0: Or maybe because they were getting <laughs> bad advice from people who write silly letters in the Bible.
1: Okay, this is actually a really great letter in the Bible. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. To be fair. I'm not trying to, like, <laughs> sass your letter. I just to think that this particular section is silly.
1: Okay, but it gets sillier at <laughs> this point, actually. Oh, great. Uh, so then, right after saying this, they immediate, the author immediately says, Therefore, let us leave behind the basic teaching about Christ and advance to maturity without laying the foundation all over again.
0: Okay, so you did a bad job of learning the basics, so we need to go back to the basics. Oh, never mind, you got the basics, let's keep going? Yes. (laughs) Great. That part is silly. (laughs) Something tells me there's a section in the middle there we missed. I think
1: it's that, like, you can figure out the basics on your own. There are teachers within your community who can do that for you. So I'm going to focus on the harder things.
0: If you're confused now, stop reading, go back to the beginning, and don't come back until you know what I'm talking about. Basically. Okay. How far into the book is it?
1: I think we're... I didn't write down which chapter this is. We're maybe halfway through at this point. But how
0: far into the New Testament are we? Oh, uh, pretty far. Okay. So there's a lot of things you could have learned before you got to this letter.
1: Yeah, and you don't really read the Bible, like, in order, like, to understand it.
0: I think that is maybe a key thing that confuses me about the Bible. I think a lot of it comes back to the idea that it's a book that you don't read in order.
1: Yeah, because it it helps to read some things in tandem when they reference each other. So if you're just going straight in order, you might have forgotten some things that are referenced later, so it is not always the most helpful. And also the letters are arranged by, like, length of the letter. They're not arranged by, like, you should read this one first.
0: And I, I mean, I'm sure that they did this for a reason, but it does confuse me. I feel like this is a stumbling block to my overall religious understanding, is that I can't just, like, pick up a Bible and start at it, then there was light, and end at whatever comes at the end there, and, like, have figured it all out in the middle. I want it to be a textbook and not a dictionary. It's more like
1: a book of stories than it's, like, either of those. Like, a collection of, like, the your bedtime stories when you were little were, like, each book is its own contained thing. They don't necessarily all lead one into the next.
0: And I think I want it to be a novel when in really it's a collection of short stories.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a novel. it's a library. It's a whole thing of books.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's confusing to me.
1: Well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah Okay, so I didn't write it.
0: We've passed we've repassed elementary religion, according to the writer of this letter. So assuming that we know what's going on, even though I probably don't, what comes next?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the author lists the basic topics that you should know, but doesn't go into them. (laughs) Then they go on to say that if you have been accepted into the church and received the Holy Spirit, then fall away. It is impossible for you to come back. Forgiveness was a one-shot deal at this point because apostatizing or giving up your faith was thought of as basically re-crucifying Jesus. Oof. Yeah.
0: So you're not allowed to like have a crisis of faith and then come back?
1: Not at this point in time. The forgiveness comes a little bit later in Christianity.
0: That's scary and sort of sad.
1: Yeah. We're better at it now. That's
0: good. <laughs> I'll give you that.
1: So then the next topic that we get into is comparing Jesus to Melchizedek. Do you remember him?
0: Maybe. Maybe the name vaguely sounds familiar only because it's hard to pronounce. Um, Melchizedek was one of the kings in the battle with...
1: There you go. He was the priest king. Yeah.
0: There were tribes. One of them had a king named Melchizedek.
1: Yeah, he got the he got the tithe from Abraham. Right. He was that one.
0: He gets 10%. Yeah.
1: So Melchizedek's history, birth, or death is never mentioned. Just he is the priest king of Salem. That's all we know. Great. So tradition... Maintained that if something didn't exist in the Torah, it didn't exist at all. So, Melchizedek was neither born nor died. He just was. So, he's an eternal priest. And so, that's why we're comparing Jesus to him.
0: Okay. So, he gets to be a fancy priest because we don't know anything about his birth or his death. We just know he was a priest.
1: Yeah. And also, that he is separate from the Levites. We talked about the, the yeah. tribe of the priests. Mm-hmm. And they were all des- descendants of Abraham, And because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, he was greater than all of the other priests because all of the other priests were contained within Abraham at the time.
0: Great. So, Melchizedek gives Abraham the power to make the Levites because he's sort of, like, slightly more than human because he is eternal... And also he blesses the guy who then gives birth to all the people who become the priests who become the priests who become the priests.
1: So he doesn't bless he doesn't bless the priests to, like, make them priests. They become priests as a separate thing. It's just that, like, the greater person is always blessing the lesser person. Okay. So he's better than these other priests is what this argument is saying.
0: Right. So eternal mystery priest is better than the generations of forthcoming Levite priests if only because he blessed the first one.
1: And also they, because they died, and we don't know that he died, because we haven't heard.
0: For all we know, he's still wandering around in the desert somewhere. Exactly. Great.
1: And also, Jesus was the tribe of Judah, not Levi, so he had to be a different kind of priest than the Levites.
0: So many different kinds of priests?
1: Really, I think I've only talked about the two.
0: Three, if you count Melchizedek.
1: Oh, are you counting Jesus as his own kind yes. priest? Okay, sure. Because <laughs> he's
0: not- a... of the tribes, there yeah. are three different ones. Well, I guess the which king of Salem doesn't- Come up with a tribe
1: <laughs> Not witch king, priest king
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it better when he's a witch king
1: <laughs> Now I'm picturing like a weird witch doctor with like.
0: That's exactly okay. what I'm thinking Great. Except for my visual reference for witch doctor Is the witch doctor in the Scooby-Doo movies Awesome So I just imagine the like painted face mask Of any kind of Scooby-Doo witch doctor Blessing Abraham And thus well, There we are And perhaps maybe still being alive in the desert
1: All right, I'm going to let you continue to believe that, and we're going to move on. Great. (laughs) So another thing that made Jesus different than the other priests is the priests, the Levites, they offered sacrifices for their own sins as well as for the sins of other people. Jesus was able to just sacrifice himself for others because he had no sin, so he didn't need to sacrifice something Mm -hmm. to take care of his own stuff. So
0: we're back to Jesus just being really cool in new and different ways.
1: Yeah, Jesus is great. Is. great. If we're, like, really couple-word thesis so far.
0: If you had to distill this letter into two sentences, is it Jesus is great and these are all the reasons why?
1: Um, it's Jesus's covenant is better than the old covenant. Is the very short.
0: My book of the Bible is better than your book of the Bible?
1: My set of promises is better than your set of promises. Great. Is as tight as I can get it, but we're going to keep going because...
0: We're still in the Jesus love part.
1: Yeah, we're... We're getting to the end of this letter, but I couldn't explain any of the other parts. I would feel bad if I didn't talk about what the letter was. That's fair. (laughs) Jesus was able to make the perfect sacrifice of himself because he was sinless. So people were able to be truly cleansed, unlike the Old Covenant, which required blood sacrifices made by high priests. But these were imperfect because the priests were imperfect and they died and... They were human. And they had to keep doing these sacrifices, but Jesus only had to do it the one time.
0: Great. Our sacrifice is better than your sacrifice because there was only one of them. Exactly.
1: And we only needed one, which was cool.
0: I mean, good for them.
1: So, because we have this great high priest who offered this perfect sacrifice, the Christians should be confident in their faith, and they should participate in the community and help their brothers and sisters. And if you don't, it's a fate worse than death. Because not following the Old Covenant was death and this is a more important covenant
0: <laughs> oh wow okay so <laughs> if you were a follower of the old covenant and you broke the old covenant then you died yep and our covenant is better so you really better not break it because you could also die
1: but worse
0: but worse you'll die
1: but worse
0: you'll die but worse <laughs> yes you'll die and forever and ever
1: and maybe alluding to hell like eternal yeah. torment or something.
0: Does hell exist yet? Um, sort of. Okay.
1: It's complicated, and we'll talk about the concept of hell on a different. I'm episode. I'm
0: sure that is its own <laughs> podcast.
1: So then the author goes on to list a bunch of Old Testament figures who all did things out of faith and were rewarded for it. But he points out that our rewards will be even greater because we have the greater covenant. Uh, also, this. Chapter Chapter 11 is really pretty and inspirational, just if, if anybody wanted to read it.
0: Is it basically the... It's the big pep talk. It's... it's
1: oh, this is totally the pep look talk.
0: Look back at all the cool things these guys got, and our covenant is so much better that you're going to get so many cool things.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, keep standing strong. Have faith. Stick with it. Yeah. So then, yeah, be it, the author says, be like our forefathers, and be disciplined in your faith, and strive for peace with everyone, and holiness that will allow you to see the Lord, because... Your ancestors were forced to keep their distance from God, but you've been welcomed in, so don't screw it up. Great. Uh, then the author offers some final advice. Be hospitable, honor marriage, be content with what you have. Don't follow strange teachings. Obey your leaders. And then the author blesses them, says, Good news, Timothy has been set free from jail. Also, we all say hi from Italy. What? <laughs> and that's how it ends. Amazing. Who was Timothy? Uh, Timothy is a friend of Paul's. Okay. Um, Paul wrote a couple letters to him that we have in the Bible.
0: Why was he in jail?
1: Unclear. That's part of the mystery of this letter, because Timothy was not in jail, as far as we know, while Paul was alive, because he was able to run errands for Paul.
0: Okay. But at some point he went to jail. In Italy? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Now, we do we know who wrote this letter? So, there's a lot of
1: mystery surrounding this letter. We don't really know who it was written to. We also don't know who wrote it, and we don't even know that it was a letter.
0: But it tells us that Timothy got out of jail. It does tell us that. Which sounds more like a letter than the rest of it.
1: Yeah, and the, the end totally sounds like a letter. So... Let's start off with what we do know about this letter. Great. We know that it was written before 96 CE because it was referenced in a letter from Clement of Rome to the Corinthians.
0: Okay, so a real letter that we know was a letter references it at this point, so it has to have existed before then.
1: Right. So it might have been written before the destruction of the temple in 70 because it talks about references to animal sacrifices that would have been happening... In the temple before the temple was destroyed.
0: Okay. And this is the, like, the big temple that got destroyed that big time when Jesus was, like, still alive?
1: No, this is in 70. So this was after Jesus died. Jesus died sometime between uh, 30 and 36.
0: Great. That helps for context.
1: Yeah. We also have those couple of letters from Paul to Timothy that indicate that Timothy was able to move freely, so he was not in jail. So... To be before the 70, Timothy would have had to have been arrested and then released sometime after Paul's death, because Paul doesn't say anything about it.
0: Yeah, and when Um, does Paul die?
1: Paul died in 67. Ooh, so now we're getting into a really narrow window. If we believe that it was before before the temple. It might not have been. So, really, we're looking at the range of somewhere between 67 and 96. Okay. Okay. Which not bad to um, to oh, have a range of It's a reasonable thirty-year range. Because yeah, the the language talking about the temple could have just been a contrast between the covenant that was established for Judaism and the new Christian covenant. Mm-hmm. So we also know that this letter was written to persuade Christians to stick with the faith.
0: Great, that's always important. Was there a reason they wouldn't? Widespread pro- persecution.
1: At this point, I don't think it was because of persecution that hadn't really started on a widespread scale yet. Um, It was more because Christian life was hard. You had to give up all of your wealth. We talked about the socialist Christians. Yep. um, Live that community life. And they weren't really liked that much by either Romans or Jews who didn't follow the Jesus movement. Okay. So not a super fun life. Yeah. Uh, The other big thing is they were expecting Jesus to come back for the final judgment, like, right away.
0: Oh, so they were counting the days.
1: Yeah. So it hadn't happened yet. And this had been at the earliest, like, 40 years.
0: So people still remember Jesus, probably. I don't know what life expectancy was, but there were probably people around who, like, were there when Jesus got crucified.
1: Well, more than that, there were people who were Christians who had died already, and they were expecting to have been, had Jesus come back before anyone died.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Because they thought, like, at the beginning of this letter, they say, we're in the final days. Ooh. And that's kind of what everybody thought, is that it was going to happen soon, and it, was, it wasn't it was happening, and that freaked people out.
0: Fair. And now, you know, however many gazillion years later, still waiting. Yep,
1: yeah, still waiting. We're very patient.
0: Yes. You've, <laughs> you've developed a sense of patience. <laughs>
1: Uh, Our best guess uh, is that this was written for a Hellenistic Jewish Christian audience somewhere outside of Palestine. This is based on the references to Jewish history. Also, on some some of the theology mentioned was more common outside of Jerusalem than inside. Plus, Clement of Rome had heard of it, so it's it's a fair guess to say that this is written for people somewhere near Rome. Okay. Um, Also, we talk about Italy at the end.
0: Yeah. But if you're saying hello from Italy, then maybe they weren't in Italy?
1: Maybe. Um, maybe they
0: were just in a different part of Italy.
1: Yeah, Italy's I'm, a big place. That's true. I'm not super clear on the like on the significance of the hello from Italy. other than it's charming. <laughs> it's the thing that makes it seem like kind of like a letter. Yeah, because the rest of this does not seem like a letter. Um it's called a message of encouragement at the beginning. Um, okay that sound that tracks. And this is how a, Synagogue sermon was referred to in Acts of the Apostles. Okay, so it could have been a sermon, right? It might be a sermon that got written down and just had that little greeting tacked on to the end afterwards.
0: So it could have been. I mean, I guess could it have been someone gave this sermon to their congregation and then wrote a copy of it and mailed it to a friend?
1: Yeah, it some something like that. I think we kind of believe that it, the whole thing was written by one person, though. So it was. I don't think it was. Someone transcribed and then added their own little editorialization on the end.
0: But could you have been sending a copy of your own sermon to someone?
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of what we think it could be. Great. But it it could also be a letter. But it doesn't have the typical greeting that says who the letter is from and who it is to. For example, one of the ways that Paul starts a letter is it says... Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Okay. So that's how he starts uh, the second letter to the Corinthians. Great. And that's pretty typical of how he starts every letter.
0: And this one breaks from that mold? Yes. Is there a chance this was written by Paul?
1: Glad you ask.
0: Gotta bring up Paul.
1: That was the right question. So we... Originally, people... Just said it was Paul. Uh, Paul had written a lot of letters that sounded kind of like this. It kind of looks like one of his letters. But there's a lot of reasons to doubt that it was Paul who wrote this letter. Um, For one, in every other letter, Paul names himself right at the beginning in a greeting. Yeah. There's also much better Greek in this than in any of Paul's letters.
0: Oh, great. (laughs)
1: Uh, Paul actually says at one point in 2 Corinthians that he's bad at rhetoric. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Amazing. Here's a Paul question for you. Was Paul a priest? Did he give ser- sermons?
1: Paul totally gave sermons like the way you're thinking of. Like he gave like speeches about religion. He
0: stood in front of people and talked about God.
1: Yeah. He was a missionary is okay the closest thing. I don't he would not have called himself A priest. He would have called himself a missionary. All right. Good to know. Yeah. We also don't think it's Paul because there's differences in the topic that he chooses to cover. For example, the focus on Jesus being a high priest like uh, Melchizedek, Uh, that's not in any of the other letters. There's also some vocab differences, like Paul loves the phrase Christ Jesus. He used it over 90 times throughout his different letters. Oof. And it's never used in this fairly long letter.
0: Yeah, you would think if it was Paul, he probably would have found a way to slip one of those in there.
1: Right. And then finally, uh, in chapter 2, verse 3 of this letter, uh, it says, This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard from him. So it separates the author from the first generation of followers of Jesus.
0: Okay, so he's... Somewhere in round two.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, Paul didn't actually meet Jesus before Jesus died, but he still considered himself to have met Jesus yeah. through vision. He's an apostle. Yeah.
0: And whoever's writing this seems to imply that they did not meet Jesus. Right. Because they're sort of concerned about the people dying before Jesus comes back. Shindig.
1: Yeah, that's definitely in there. So, there was debate on who wrote this letter as early as the 2nd century. Wow. It was discussed around then by some theologians in Alexandria, Clement and Origen, who I think we've talked about both of them before. They were popes, right? Clement Uh, was. This is Clement of Alexandria. Oh, this is OG Clement. Clement of Rome, who's a little bit earlier, I
0: think? Mm -hmm. Like,
1: just barely, was the second pope if you consider peter the first okay but yeah clement of alexandria different guy okay many Um, clements but i'm very impressed that you knew that there was an early clement pope
0: well there had to be because there have been a gazillion of them since then that's fair and you have to name them after something right
1: yeah i mean just like i think just like a saint
0: Yeah, I guess, what are the rules on naming popes because they don't keep their real names? Although I guess the early ones probably did because they didn't have a rule about that yet.
1: I don't know. Okay, Um.
0: well, (laughs) Clement of Alexandria, not Papal Clement, different Clement.
1: Yeah. So they both wrote about varying opinions on the authorship of Hebrews. So we know that this early, late 2nd century, there was already arguments about it. They said that Paul was named most often, but Luke of Gospel fame... Apollos, a friend of Paul's, and Clement of Rome were also suggested as possible authors. It makes sense that Clement of Rome was because Clement of Rome is the one who referenced the letter. Yeah. So it makes sense that they sound the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That totally makes sense. <laughs> um, Clement of Alexandria argued that Paul perhaps didn't include his name uh, in this letter because Jewish Christians didn't like him, and he didn't want to offend them. <laughs> so he just left it anonymous. That's awkward. Maybe.
0: Also doesn't feel like Paul.
1: Kind of doesn't. <laughs> uh, he also said that the good Greek could be because Paul wrote in Hebrew for his Jewish audience and then Luke translated it to Greek.
0: I mean, sure, if you're really, really <laughs> going to try and prove that it was Paul.
1: Uh, this theory also kind of falls apart because the scripture passages that get quoted, are the Greek versions are quoted, not the Hebrew versions. Yeah. After finishing his investigation... Origen had no idea, and he's quoted as saying, God knows the truth of this matter. Sounds about right. So I'm with Origen on this one.
0: (laughs) Great. Only God knows, and that's
1: fine. (laughs) Uh, But this debate continues. Oh boy. Uh, These guys end up going with Paul because they have no better option. And the Eastern Church basically says, yes, it's Paul. Fine. Um, From the second century, they start saying that. Okay. There's debate for longer in the West. Hebrews was not included in the Marcionite canon or the Muratorian canon, which were both lists of books in the Bible from the late second century. But, you know, also Clement of Rome referenced it in the first century, so he probably considered it authentic, Paul. Tertullian? Unless unless he wrote it. Unless he wrote it. I don't think he wrote it. Okay. (laughs) Tertullian, who was a theologian at the end of the second century, beginning of the third, thought Barnabas, who was another friend of Paul, kind of a mentor of Paul's for a while, um, wrote it. Uh, It's possible that when Athanasius of Alexandria was exiled to Rome in the 4th century, he convinced the Western Church to accept it into the canon, even if they didn't accept Pauline authorship.
0: Okay. He's the one who probably was like, look guys, you don't think it's Paul. I don't think it's Paul. But that doesn't make its argument any less valid, and maybe you should put it in your book.
1: It's like, we're all doing it. Why don't you guys do it? Yeah. We haven't had a schism yet.
0: All the cool (laughs) kids are doing it.
1: Uh, Jerome, writing in the late 4th, early 5th century, uh, said that we should accept this as Paul because all of the East does and most of the West does. But he also notes that some say it's Clement or Barnabas. Okay. Uh, Augustine said it was definitely Paul in his early writings But then he got wishy-washy about it a little bit later, and by the end of his life, he just said it was an anonymous letter. Great. (laughs) But by the 4th century, everyone is saying, okay, it's Paul, fine. We don't have a better option.
0: When in doubt, Paul.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. It makes it seem more authoritative. Sure. And this kind of was true all through the medieval period until the uh, 16th century. It was canon- And it was considered written by Paul. Once we get out of the medieval period, we get... Well, at the end of the medieval period, I guess, uh, the King James version of the Bible was written.
0: Oh, great. I just watched a very hilarious episode of Doctor Who that has King James in it. And King James is played by Alan Cumming.
1: I also watched that. It was great.
0: It was great. If you haven't watched it, you should.
1: Yeah, and I was also... I also just love... Like witch hunts, I just wa- I just listened to a bunch of podcasts on the Salem witch trials. So I'm super have you been listening to Unobscured? I have.
0: Oh my god, it's so good.
1: We're name dropping a podcast that's more popular than ours. Good job, with us.
0: <laughs> Maybe I'll tag them on Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the King James version, written in 1611, it titled this letter the the Epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Hebrews. So we don't know that either of those are true, but this. The Bible dug in. <laughs> Great.
0: Is this the first time they start calling it the letter to the Hebrews, or was it called always called that?
1: I think it was called that for longer in tradition because it was known that it was written for a Jewish audience. Fair. But I couldn't tell you exactly when it started going by that name. Okay. So we're fairly confident in authorship throughout this period. We get more doubt when we get to the Protestant Reformation. That makes sense. Martin Luther believed that it was Paul, but he also conceded that it could have been Apollos. Uh, John Calvin did not think it was Paul, but he didn't suggest an alternative. Great. So helpful, thank you. Um, Today, very few scholars think that Paul wrote the epistle to the Hebrews. It has been attributed to Clement, Luke, Apollos, Barnabas, Silas, who's another friend of Paul's. Great. And my personal favorite, Prisca. A friend of Paul's? Another friend of Paul's. Great. Prisca is sometimes referred to as Priscilla.
0: Oh my god, Um, everyone with the two names.
1: So hers makes sense, though. Priscilla is is the diminutive form of the name Prisca, and it's what Paul called her because they were friends, they were close. Okay. So a lot of people call her Priscilla just because he writes that way about her, but... I'm not friends with her. Like, I don't know her. I'm going to use her more formal name because I respect her because she's cool. Good for you. (laughs) Uh, She was a missionary that traveled with her husband and they are credited with instructing Apollos.
0: Okay. So it sort of makes sense if people were thinking it was Apollos. It could be someone from the place where Apollos learned.
1: Yeah. And I also, this is just me. This is not any scholarship. But I like the idea that all along, God meant for a woman to reveal this beautiful, complex work of theology to us. But Paul got to take the credit for it so that it would survive the patriarchal society of the day. I'm into it. I
0: like your idea, too.
1: That's my theory.
0: Okay, I'm sold.
1: <laughs> uh, so why, why does it matter who wrote this? Um, we know Paul is an authority, and we know we can trust his theology. So if he wrote it, we can be very confident in it, which is why there was such a long debate about Paul's authorship. That's fair. But honestly, the theology in this letter is very compatible with Paul's, and it's super important to Christianity and our concept that Jesus is fully human and fully divine, so it doesn't matter who wrote it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it matters who wrote it. If it's good theology, sort of air quotes around good, but compatible theology with the rest of the writings near it and is also a message that people need to hear who cares who wrote it
1: exactly that's my thought but it's fun to solve mysteries so people continue to try to parse out who exactly wrote this letter
0: that's true gotta love a history mystery
1: well is that it that is all i have on the letter to the hebrews and who wrote it
0: great Let's take a break, and then we'll come back for some fun. Sounds good. And we're back.
1: And now it's time for the patronage pop quiz, where I tell Shannon about a saint, and she has to guess what they're the patron of. I
0: didn't do great last week, but it's a new year. Let's see what we got.
1: Well, not a new year since the last one.
0: I know, but we're wiping the <laughs> slate clean after last week, so I'm only 0-1. Okay,
1: fair. Uh, this week, we've got St. Lawrence. Okay, that sounds vaguely familiar. It's because he's the tiny saint I have.
0: Oh, right. Okay.
1: So, St. Lawrence was born in 225 in Rome. He became a deacon under Pope Sixtus II. During this time, Christianity was outlawed. The pope and six deacons were sentenced to be beheaded. This left Lawrence as the highest-ranking church official in Rome, so he became in charge of all of the church's wealth. Lawrence went to visit Pope Sexist, Sixtus.
0: David, keep that in. (laughs) Uh,
1: He was probably also sexist, if we're being honest.
0: I mean, probably. He was a pope in whatever year. (laughs) Uh,
1: He went to visit him in prison, and the pope told him not to worry, uh, because he would not be left behind. He would join them in being martyred in four days. Oh, great. So, Lawrence used that four days to disperse the wealth of the church so that the Roman authorities couldn't get to it. When Roman finally was called in to be executed, he was told to bring the treasures of the church that were entrusted to him with him. He showed up at the palace surrounded by people who were blind, lame, sick, widowed, or orphan, and said that these are the true treasures of the church. This really pissed off the emperor. (laughs) I can imagine, but also it's delightful. (laughs) It is. I love it. Sweet. He declared that Lawrence would die a slow, painful death. Of course. So Lawrence was placed on a gridiron, and coals were heated up underneath, and he was burned alive. Oh, great. The last thing he said before being burned alive- Oh,
0: right. I know the story.
1: ...was a cheerful, it is well done. Turn me over. Amazing. (laughs) So, Shannon- What is St. Lawrence the patron of?
0: I'm sure it has to do with money. It's like treasurers or financiers or giving to charity or something. Um, close. Okay.
1: Poor people.
0: Sure. (laughs) Is he also the patron saint of barbecues?
1: Uh he is absolutely the patron saint of Grill Master. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is my favorite.
0: See, and I wanted that to be true, but I also (laughs) figured it was unlikely, so I went with my first guess before I heard the barbecue story, which is it it's like giving to charity or something to do with money.
1: I mean, yeah, it can be both. Okay. So he is the patron against fire, against Lumbago. I don't know what that is. I don't Uh, know. Uh, For archives, archivists, armories, armorers, brewers, butchers, chefs, comedians, comics, confectioners, cooks, cutlers, deacons, glaziers, grill masters. Yeah, because he was a deacon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laundry workers, librarians, libraries, paupers, poor people, restaurateurs, school children, seminarians, stained glass workers, students, tanners, wine growers, vintners, winemakers... Wine growers, not wine growers. That makes more sense.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right, I'm sorry, but I feel like there have been multiple saints for brewers and multiple saints for vintners.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) I mean, like, I have no problem with it, but I just want to make sure that I'm not going crazy.
1: Oh, yeah. Catholics love their alcohol. I mean, that's true. (laughs) If you're any indication. And, you know, I'm... In that way, at least, I'm I'm pretty standard. Yeah. From a, a good old-fashioned Eastern European Catholic family.
0: That's real. <laughs> is that all you've got for St. Lawrence?
1: That's all I have for St. Lawrence. I do have one thing that I wanted to make sure that we tacked on. Adam, the writer of our theme song for the show, he is having his own show on the 16th. Which,
0: Uh, if you are listening to this the day it comes out, you still have time to get tickets and go.
1: And we're going to link to get tickets in the episode description if you would like to go. I will be going.
0: I will not, because I have work. But uh, Adam is a great guy. His work that he's presenting that night is going to be from his sort of comedy rap outfit, which is super funny. And if you see him and you're a fan of the show, give him a high five from us. Other than that... And our theme song written by Adam, this episode was edited and our logo was designed by his brother David, who is responsible for all of the UK listeners that we have on this show, undoubtedly. Thanks for that, David, among other things. If you like the show, go on wherever you listen to podcasts and like us, rate us, review us, subscribe, save, whatever that is for you. If you want to tweet at us, you can tweet us at school for heathens that's the number four in the middle there you can email us with episode suggestions like this one was or any other cool stuff you want to share with us especially you guys outside of the u.s or the united kingdom i want to hear from you email us at School for heathens at gmail.com
1: yeah and uh for reviews particularly helpful if you review on apple podcasts it really does a lot to help people find the show and we'd really appreciate it
0: that's very true And with that, amen?
1: Amen. Go in peace to like and share the pod.